summer, it creates this, this complacency and distraction. Would anybody else agree with me spiritually? It can. Uh, you get out of routine, you get out of habit, and, and uh, what God's been speaking to me recently, just, I'm ready to stir some things up. You ready to be shook awake for a change? I know, I know when I'm asleep, I don't like somebody come in and shake me awake, but we need it sometimes, don't we? And uh, over the next four weeks, God is just going to pour into our lives. I know that some things are going to be shook up. Some things are going to look different. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, but this morning, I, I want to talk to you about our hunger. Has anybody heard of, of the phenomenon called the Hunger Games? Anybody in the room ever heard of it? Anybody not heard of the Hunger Games? Couple. Few. All right. Most of them are men and truck drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, that's what Rich, I see you had your hand up and Roger and Tim. That's an interesting, I guess we'll have to do some research. I don't know, that's interesting. They don't talk about the Hunger Games on talk radio, I'm guessing, I don't know. But, uh, Hunger Games, I, I've not seen the movie, I've not seen, read the books or anything like that, but you know, it talks about the fact that it's like a post, uh, post-apocalyptic world and, and food's scarce and and you've got your wealthy that are super wealthy, and you've got your poor that are super poor, and the wealthy keep the poor poor. It's kind of starting to sound like our world a little bit. But anyway, keep the poor poor, and, and uh, they have a lottery. Wow, sounds a lot like our world. And the poor put their names in, and, and to come, their children come and compete and, and try to survive, and the survivor of this game where they actually kill each other gets food for their family. I'm not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. Like I said, I've not looked into it much. But I know this much, that hunger will cause us to do some pretty crazy things. I know that hunger, given the circumstance, you say, Pastor, that's a, that's a make-believe story, it's all fake. I understand that, but my friends, you and I have never really been hungry. We... Go from day to day and we have three hours, we haven't eaten something, we say, I'm so hungry, starved. And we could eat eggs and bacon for breakfast and turn around and have a big old greasy cheeseburger for lunch. And then for supper, throw a ribeye steak on the grill with baked potato, butter, and sour cream. Green beans with bacon in it and salt. And say, Pastor, stop it. You're making me hungry. No, I'm making you want something. But you're not hungry. You see, we don't, we don't what, understand what real hunger is in America. And I think the thing is, is that spiritually, we really don't understand what hunger is in America either. And this series probably is going to stir you up a little bit. It's, it's not overly in depth, but, but I, I want to challenge us to move forward in Christ and quit talking about the things we would like to see and quit talking about the things we'd like to do and quit talking about what we want God to see in our lives and actually strive to get a hold of Him to see it happen. Do you have a hunger today? 
Hunger is powerful. Proverbs 16.26 says, The laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. You say, now what does that mean? The laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Now, now we, we see this, that, that our labors are driven by our appetites. Our labors are driven by our appetites. Now, now back when this proverb was written, obviously you get up and you go to work and you're working for what? Food. Now we see signs all the time and see people holding signs up and say, we'll work for food. And my favorite one that I ever saw was when we were in Florida on vacation one year, this guy held up a sign that said, I don't need money for food, I just want beer. <laughs> At least he's honest. That's what we said and we gave him some, no, we didn't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we didn't give him no money. But I saw a whole bunch of people pulling over and handing the guy cash. He had a sign. Seriously, I just want beer. You know, we're driven by our hungers. In this day and age, you know, you, you get up and you go to work. And, and the reason you go to work is so that you can survive. You know, you get up and you realize, if I don't get up, what this is saying, if I don't get up and wipe the sleep out of my eyes, hopefully brush my teeth, and go to work, if I don't go down to the marketplace and hope that somebody hires me and takes me in for the day so I can earn a day's wages, when I get home, my stomach's going to be empty. Eventually, the food that I need is going to run out. My appetite will drive me to work. An appetite would drive the farmer to go and plant and to care for his field and to harvest his field because if he doesn't work, he doesn't eat, is what the proverb says, correct? Of course, in America, we're trying to find ways around that. Amen? The truth of the matter is, is that an individual will be driven by a very powerful force, an internal force inside of us that's a, that's a hunger. It's a driving force that we will labor for. It will cause us to labor to, to appease that pain, to appease that hunger. As we're here on, on Labor Day weekend, we have to stop and we have to ask our questions as to why we labor as we do. To fulfill what appetite, to fulfill what hunger are we working as we are in America? In America, the appetite that's pushing us is not an appetite for food, it's an appetite for things. It's an appetite for social acceptance. It's an appetite for multiple, multiple things. You know, appetites are powerful. Did you know that prisons are full of people with appetites? People's appetites have driven them to prison. Why? Because they wanted something, so they stole it. Or they killed somebody for it. You know, it wasn't that long ago, just this last year, the new Nikes came out and people were getting shot over them for Nike shoes. I'm sorry they don't let you keep those in prison. Just saying. They give you slippers. People are killing people over things, over phones, over iPads and iPods and computers and, and fighting and killing one another for things. Clothing. Appetites are powerful things. Hunger is a powerful thing. You know, people get children. You say, what, what am I hungering for? What is it that I'm thirsting for? Well, that thing that drives you, what you're working for, your 40-hour weeks that you're working for, it's driving you for something. What is it that's consuming everything? 
I know people that are so driven by their appetite for things that their money is consumed by them on their stuff. They spend it on their electronics. They spend it on their television. They spend it on their clothing and their jewelry and their cars and vehicles. And they won't buy their own food. I want all this stuff for me and it's somebody else's responsibility to feed me. Did you know that nobody can eat for you? And you know what? Nobody wants anybody else to eat for me. This I didn't even think about this example. Sweet Amy. Amy's been on that feeding tube for a while. You don't want somebody eating for you, do you, Amy? It's not fun. <laughs> I want to eat myself. And yet, we think that our hunger and our appetite for things in this life is going to be different when it comes to our hunger for Jesus for spiritual things. Do you even have a hunger for Jesus, church? Do you want to know Him? Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now we see those words hunger and thirst, and again, because we live in America, we don't understand what real hunger is, okay? We don't understand what real thirst is. And, and so I looked into the, the, the Greek meanings of these words, the translation of them, and, and uh, the Greek word that speaks of this actually means to suffer want. When it comes to hunger, to suffer want, to be needy for, to crave ardently for, to seek with eager desire. To suffer want. To be needy for. To crave ardently. And to seek with eager desire. And the word thirst means to suffer thirst. But figuratively to painfully feel want of. To painfully feel want of for something. Or eagerly long for something. Those things which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened by. So if we understand that and we go back to read that simple passage that we read quickly. It would, it would sound a little bit more like this. Blessed are those who suffer for. Who are in need of. Who ardently seek after. With an eager desire or longing. As with a thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. You see, we don't even know or understand what it means to be hungry, so how in the world can we even know and understand what it means to hunger after the righteousness of God? Some of us don't even have an appetite for it. Some of us would treat it like Brussels sprouts or oysters. I like oyster dressing. I just thought I'd throw that in for a little side. There is a hunger, church, that's placed in every man. A measure of faith, an appetite that should drive us to God. And this appetite that we have for God is not something that should be satisfied on day one. It's not something that should be satisfied after five years or four years. It's not something that should be satisfied 20 years ago or, or, or 10 years ago or 5 years ago or 1 year ago. It's not something that should be satisfied a month ago or 2 weeks ago or even yesterday. Our hunger and our passion and our appetite for the things of God should be a daily appetite. Just as we read about not long ago, the children of Israel in the wilderness gathering every day the bread of life, the, the manna that was given to them. It's a daily appetite. You see, this faith 
that God's place in us, a measure of faith in each man, is a faith, is an appetite and a hunger that belongs to God. And the problem with man is, is that we give that appetite and that hunger to everything else. The enemy of our souls knows this. And how do we know that the enemy of our souls knows this? Well, let's just start again in the Garden of Eden. Don't I always go back there? There's Eve, physically hungry and also spiritually hungry. She took the fruit. It was good to eat. And she desired wisdom. Wisdom of her own, not wisdom from God. You see, the enemy wants to look into our lives and bring confusion and, and, and tell us that that hunger is okay to go and throw anything you, know, you want upon it. It's okay, young person, if you, have, if you have a desire sexually, go ahead and misuse it. It's okay to go and pursue drugs and alcohol. It's okay to go and pursue idolatry of any kind because, because that, that feeling's there. It's natural. It's of God, right? You're hungry, right? Go ahead. You see, the enemy knows that, and he, he used that all through the Scripture. We see that, and we see it uh, you know, all the way up to uh, Jesus when He's in the wilderness. Forty days, and He's hungry. And what did the enemy come to do? Come to change his faith. Come to change his desire to obey God and adjust it to appease his flesh. Pastor, this is simple. This is not rocket science. I know. But if God led me to talk to you about this, there must be a reason. We have got to understand that when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan came to him, he played on every fleshly desire, every fleshly appetite that Jesus could have pulled upon, whether it was physical flesh for bread or whether it was for the kingdoms of the world for glory. All of this stuff he was pressing forward for him to say, go ahead and dishonor God and honor yourself. Because anybody that does that has now moved into a place called idolatry. I have now taken my faith that belongs to God and I have put it in things. Hear what I'm saying to you today. Misplaced hunger will drive us to idolatry. You're not going to catch this on Christian radio very often and and I will say there's some good stuff out there, but this is a little challenging today. You know, here in America, our hunger, our idolatry is for things. Our, we, we, we want stuff. You know, when we're sad, we drink. You know, things go bad, I'm just going to go have a drink. College students would tell you this, in, in, in fact, and say, well, yeah, it's been a hard, tough week of study, and let's go party tonight and Relax. You know, and then it carries over into the work life. It's, hey, it's, it's 4.30 somewhere, folks. It's beer 30. And then we, 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 when we're sad or, or, or grieved or whatever, we eat. Some of us eat when we're happy and when we're sad and when we're depressed and when we just keep eating. We seek out our lust for sensual things. When things don't go our way, we medicate ourselves with things, material possessions. If I just go buy me a new outfit, I'll feel better today. If I just go do this, folks, this is, this is where our hunger has been placed in America. Our faith has been placed in other gods, idolatry. And our hunger, it, we've gotten to a point to where we're not even hungry anymore, folks. You say, oh, Pastor, 
We don't place things before God. Then we have children. You ready for this one? Parents, those little monsters, they're, they're a gift from God, but not to become your God. Somebody's preaching. Listen, the little monsters are a gift from God, but not to become your God. I just, I just wrote down some thoughts one day led by the Spirit in light of this. We overexalt temporal things in our children's lives. We're more concerned about their social acceptance than we are about their souls being accepted by God. We're more concerned with the development of their athletic abilities, their statistics, and winning records in athletics than we are about them developing godly character. We are very concerned with their accomplishments in school and think little about their discipleship. Welcome to the good old U.S. of A. Christian homes, Christian families. I love Jesus, and this is how we raise our children. Why? Because our hunger is not for God. Our hunger has been shifted to other things, and they have been so consuming to us that right now, even as I say this, people are very uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. Pastor Bob doesn't have it all figured out. Pastor Bob wrestles with these things. Obviously, the eating thing. Seriously. I did pretty good for a while. And what happened in the summer? Lost focus. It's sad, folks, but we don't have to look too far before we start to see where our hungers are really placed. And I'm afraid that the church in America has become spiritually anorexic. We have refused to eat for so long that there is no hunger anymore. There is no passion. There is no desire anymore to, to hurt or to moan and groan before God. There is no longing for the presence of God. Did you know that for a person that's headed into anorexia and bulimia, they get to a certain point where they stop eating, they don't even want food anymore. They don't want it. Aren't you hungry? No, I haven't been hungry for weeks. Why do you eat? Because I know I have to occasionally, but that's even hard to keep down. Listen to me, people of God. If you get to a point to where you shut God out enough, you will not receive the Word, and you will regurgitate it, and you will not keep it, and you'll get to a point to where you won't want it anymore at all. And you'll look beautiful in your coffin. person I love dearly that was dealing with this topic in their personal life and I said to him point blank you're right you're going to be thin and beautiful in your coffin you want to hear something folks spiritually speaking you can go ahead and you can ignore these words you can ignore the word of God you cannot have a hunger or thirst for him or thirst for righteousness in any way shape or form you can pursue after all the gods of this world you can pursue after the nice car the nice clothes the nice house the nice everything not that those things are inherently evil of themselves amen they've just got to be put in the right perspective you can pursue all of that stuff all that you want to and here's what will happen. You ignore Christ. You pursue those things. You'll be the best looking dead person walking around on this earth. 
It'd be like a whitewashed tomb, like Jesus said of the Pharisees, on the outside beautiful, but on the inside full of dead men's bones. It's a serious condition, folks. And the church has got to return to a place of hunger for Christ and to stop hungering for the things of the world, to stop worrying about and loving production over the truth of God's Word. Israel did this. They had taken the Word of God for granted. They pursued other gods and would be judged for it. And Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 13 says, The Lord says to him, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. You hear what that's saying? You're going to look for it. You've taken it for granted. You've, you've ignored it. It's sitting on your shelf in your house. It's sitting on your coffee table. But you don't open it up and you don't read it. You're starving yourself to death. And you may be beautiful, adorned women with all the stuff and the luxuries of this life. You may be adorned with everything great. You may be strong and healthy men. But you're fainting because you've refused the Word of the Lord. Do we have to really get to a point to where there's a famine before we start seeking? You know, God brought a famine. 400 years of silence. It was fulfilled. 400 years without a a major prophet prophesying to Israel. Where would you be today, church, if the word of the Lord stopped coming to this congregation? Would you seek? Would you even care? Is there a hunger at all, a thirst? Is there a a wanting of anything, the righteousness of Christ? What's it going to take? What will it be that's going to stir your life up to the point to where things are once again placed in perspective, where truth is revealed in our lives, and we get off of the junk food of this world, and we begin to seek the bread of life again? Just give me one good strong amen. Just one good strong amen, if you would. Amen. I just take a drink here for a second. Are you ready for the good part? If we will come to a place to where we will hunger and thirst, if we will have a wanting of, a desiring of, a, a, a suffering for the truth of God, there's a blessing and a filling that follows. It's not impossible. It's not one of those things where God says it's impossible, your hunger will never be satisfied at all. Matthew 7, we've read it a thousand times, 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. All that's saying is God's saying, get up, do something about it. I'm not that far away. All you have to do is try, put forth a little bit of an effort. You know, I get concerned when people say, Pastor, I try to read the Bible. I tried it once, but you know, I couldn't find God. And God didn't speak to me. God doesn't speak to me. Well, it's because you're not seeking Him. He's not that hard to find. God's not, He's not a jerk, folks. He's not mean. He's not a mean, harsh father. Listen, Dad's in the room. How many of you ever played hide and seek with your kids before? 
Now, how many of you ever played hide-and-seek with like a two- or three-year-old? And when you play hide-and-seek with a two- or three-year-old, do you ever say, okay, hide your eyes and count, daddy's going to hide, and then you run out of the house, you run across the street, up into the hayloft or the barn lot somewhere, and let the kid look for you all day and come back that night? Number one, you need slapped if that's what you did. Number two, (laughs) nobody does that. God himself will not do that. He does not want to stay hidden. He wants to be discovered. He wants to be known. As a matter of fact, he's made himself known through the scripture. But pastor, God doesn't speak to me. Maybe because you haven't spoken to God. Maybe you haven't called out all the all the oxen free. I give up, Lord. Where are you? I've been looking. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God will reward you if you earnestly seek Him. Acts 17, 26 and 27, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and be determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And perhaps. You know, we're kind of stuck with the perhaps thing today. Are you going to reach out to him? Do you really have to have a worship team giving every ounce of energy they have to get you to reach out to Him? Do you you really need a pastor that jumps up and down and screams and yells to get you excited about Jesus? If we're to that point and we don't have any hunger without somebody else stirring it up in us, we are in a dangerous place of anorexia. Don't you just love your pastor who challenges you? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Pastor, these are all scriptures that we know. How's come it is that you're taking us back to these scriptures? Pastor, I've known the Bible. I've read it from cover to cover 1,400 times, and I'm done. I know all there is to know about the Bible. I can quote scripture to you, but listen, you have got to let the Spirit of God bring the Word to life in you. And every time you read it, he's going to speak something new. I am in a season right now, and I shared this in the first service. Right now, I'm in a season. I'm developing leadership curriculum, not buying it from somebody. The Spirit of God is speaking it into me because we need to develop leadership in our church. We just have to. And he's speaking this to me. And I'm rereading through all these scriptures, and they've come to life to me in a new way because I'm seeing them by the Spirit of God from a different angle. And now there's new life breathing through them. But I just read this before. God, how do I see that? How come I never saw that before? Listen to me. If you ever get to a place where you think you know the word and that you don't need to read it anymore, that's a deception. Matthew 6, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You say, I look for Jesus in the scripture and I can't find him. As Amber comes, the worship team comes. I look for Jesus and I can't find him, pastor. I don't know where I can't find him. 
It's a whole lot of movement today, isn't there, people coming up on the stage. Just stay focused for just a second with me. What you do is you open up the scripture and you see that passage and you know that God is saying, if you will seek first my kingdom, if you will have, have a desire for my righteousness, you will have a desire for who I am, I will put all this other stuff, since you have it in right perspective, and all the things, the food, the clothing, the stuff that are daily needs are in right perspective, they're not going to become your God, so go ahead, I will give those to you. Because you can be trusted with them. Because they are not your God. Because I am your God. See, our problem here in America is, is we're seeking things like pagans. And we're ignoring Christ. And we don't know why we can't get our fill. Why we're never satisfied. Why we're never content with what we have. We always got to have more, 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 more. And he says, seek me first. Seek me first. If you seek me first, don't seek me first so that you can get things. Seek me. And when you truly have me in the right perspective, in the right place of your heart, the other stuff's going to be, your needs are going to be met. I know you, I love you. But in America, we have a hunger for the things. You see, the pursuit of God followed by reward is not a new concept, but one that is very clear in the Scripture and one that has been lived out in the lives of many. We know this already, that if an individual wants to be successful, you want to be successful at work. You want to be successful in your career. You want to be successful and great at something. What's it going to take? It's going to take hard work. It's going to take determination. It's going to take long hours and suffering for that. Amen? You want to be a follower of Christ. It's going to require some effort. In seeking Him, pursuing Him, mostly, mostly pad, Steve, if you would, please. In seeking Him, so that you would know Him and that He would add to your life. That, that. It's elementary, dear Watson. I know that, but we don't grab it because we have such a strong pull to the other things. We see it all through Scripture. We see Abraham in the Scripture who, who, who had a hunger for God and, and God said, go ahead and, and leave your, your home there. And, and come over here to this land where you're going to be a stranger, a foreigner. Come over here where you're going to be an alien. And trust me, and I, I'll give it to you. Abraham didn't question. He got up and he went. He went. Was there a blessing that followed? So I'm going to make you a great nation. Gives him a son, and through that son comes the promises we look at Jacob who wrestled with God, wrestled with him all night long. Now, I wrestled in high school, and I hated it. I didn't like it. I only did it to keep me from getting huge fat throughout the winter. That's only because I'm opposite of a cow. Cows graze in the summertime. When in the wintertime, I stay indoors and graze through the wintertime. And so I wrestled, but I hated it. I had to use every muscle in my body, every muscle, every single muscle. And Jacob is wrestling with the Lord with every single muscle in his body. Wrestling, wrestling. He said, I will not quit. I will not give up. I will not let go of you until you bless me. And God blessed him and he gave him the name Israel. You tell me, is Israel blessed? I think of Elijah and I think of Elisha. Elisha walking behind the oxen yoked together with his plow and going through the field and and Elijah walks up and throws his cloak over him and calls him out. And Elisha instantly, he breaks apart the, the equipment, the wood, and begins to burn it. And he, he, he slaughters the oxen and, and, and they celebrate and feed one another and they leave. 
And you tell me, was Elisha blessed? He left. He followed Elijah. And when Elijah was out there, they said, Elisha, don't you know your master is going to leave you today? He said, speak nothing of it. Speak nothing of it. And he pursued Elijah. I I sense the Spirit of God in this. He pursued Elijah. He followed him even while the other prophets stood afar off. He said, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. And he said, but I want a double portion. Elijah said, if you're here with me, if you see me taken up, you will receive it. He was there. That takes commitment, hunger, and determination. Amen? Do you want the blessings of God? Do you want the things of God in your life? It's going to require hunger and a determination. You say, Pastor, there's not a hunger. You, you start eating, trust me, after a while there'll be a hunger there. For the anorexic and the bulimic, they are not hungry when they're eating at first. They feed them and force feed them and they can't keep it all down, but they continue to feed them and they continue to feed them. They infuse them with other things into their body. The Holy Spirit will help you receive the Word of God. He's infused into your body. He will strengthen you and eventually you're going to get so hungry you can't go five minutes without the Word of God. You see, our problem here in America is we're hungry for food, but we're anorexic toward God. And and the thing is, folks... Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who, ta- who takes refuge in Him. We have forgotten how good the Lord tastes. <laughs> We've gotten comfortable in America. And we've forgotten how good he is. We treat him like the, the children of, of, of Israel treated the manna in the wilderness. And we say, I'm not really hungry for that. I just want to come in and out of the doors of a church. I want to have a religious experience, but I don't want to know Christ. Kyle Eidelman wrote a curriculum called Not a Fan that April's going through with our college-age kids. It's powerful, powerful stuff. He's a pastor. He had a man leave his church. And he heard through the grapevine, because you always hear through the grapevine, nobody, if they're upset, ever comes to your office and says, this is what I don't like, I'm leaving. You always hear that through the grapevine, just so you know. Heard through the grapevine that this man left, and the reason he left is because he didn't like his pastor's preaching. Well, as a pastor, that's just hard to believe, because you believe that you're the greatest preacher on the face of the earth. How could somebody not love my preaching? So this guy calls him up, and... They, they, they connect and he says, hey man, I heard you left the church, that's fine, but they said you had a problem with my preaching just for my own sake. What, what is it that you don't like? And the guy said something to this extent, and I don't have it perfect, but he said, because you're always messing with my life. You're always expecting things out of me. I hope and pray people leave our church for that reason. I hope nobody leaves, but if they're going to leave, leave for that reason. We cannot get to a place, church, where we don't want our lives affected by the gospel. Because Jesus said some hard things. Jesus is the one that spoke to people's lives and said some really hard things, messing with their lives, telling them that this is what you can and cannot do. Jesus said things like, sell all your possessions and you'll have treasure in heaven and follow me. That affects lives, doesn't it? 
Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. Follow me. If anyone loves their family more than me, he's not worthy. Listen, it affects our lives. Will you stand with me this morning? We need to begin to develop a diet. A healthy diet. And as a church, you're going to have homework throughout these four weeks. You ready for homework, folks? Welcome to school. Here's the cool thing. For four weeks as we lead up to the push event here at the church, Carla showed me this. I didn't realize she was doing this, but it's neat how the Spirit of God works things out. Your children are going to have a six-week push challenge of Scripture and things that they're going to have to do and read by coming out of Children's Church. You know what we're going to do as a church? We're going to read Matthew together. We have four weeks until Jamie Montero gets here, until, our, our, until we start up this push event, this prayer event that we're going to be having. In 28 days, four weeks, 28 days, there's 28 chapters in Matthew. Starting tomorrow, I'm reading Matthew chapter 1, and I want you to read with me. In the church, all the church, I want you to hold yourselves accountable. I want you to hold each other accountable. If you have Facebook, I would like for you to post on Facebook. I read my chapter today for our church's challenge in reading Matthew today, and this is what I got out of it. Just post a verse, post a thought. It doesn't have to be anything huge, big or small. You say, Pastor, I don't have, uh, I don't have Facebook. Do you have email? If you got an email, shoot me an email. Say, Pastor, I read today. If you, if you don't, my cell number is 812-201-5678. You can send me a text and say, I read something today, Pastor. If you don't want to call me, call the church at after hours and leave it on the answer machine so we can hear that you read. If you don't want to do that, you can write it down on a sheet and turn it into us on the next Sunday and say, I read all seven weeks. Hold yourself accountable somehow. If you got to mail it, mail it. <laughs> Except that we haven't picked up the mail for two weeks, I don't think, here. <laughs> I was out of, anyway. Why is this so important? And here's why. I'm going to shut up in a minute. This is important. Why is it so important, Pastor, that we read the Word together? Here's why. Because we're expecting things from God. Right? And the mentality of people is, is I'm going to show up to church. I'm not having read my Bible for weeks, months, years. I'm not prayed for weeks, months, years, or days. And I'm going to show up starving to death and let pastor regurgitate and feed me like a baby bird. Feed me, pastor. Feed me. You eat all week, pastor, and then you feed me on my Mondays. It's no wonder we're all starving to death spiritually. I want to come in and out of the doors and do that. And think that there's going to be a move of God and it's going to change my life and then I'm going to want to pray and then I'm going to want to read and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to... No, 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 no. That's not how it happens. Scripturally, everything always moves from private to public. If your private life's a mess, your public life's going to be a mess. Can I get an amen? If your private life is strong, it's going to come out publicly. For example... Elisha was anointed in a field, but received the double portion publicly. Saul was anointed as king privately by Samuel, and then later was established publicly. David was anointed privately by, by, by Samuel, and then later he was established publicly. Was he not? The, the, the disciples of Jesus Christ, after he rose from the grave, came into a private room through a wall, and he breathed on them and said, Receive you now the Holy Spirit. And then publicly... The day of Pentecost came and 3,000 were brought into the kingdom. Why 
are we reading the Bible together? One, because people will not hold themselves accountable and do it on their own. Two, I don't, I don't mean everybody. Some people will not hold themselves accountable and do it on their own. Two, because by doing this and feeding yourself, you will come into the promises of God. Now, don't limit yourself to a chapter. If you're reading more than that, keep reading everything else. But for the sake of unity in the body, do that much. That's the minimum. Can you do the minimum with me at least? And next week, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Because I know next week I can. If I asked this week how many of you are reading the Bible every day, you would repent as your hand goes up. Lord, forgive me for this lie I'm about ready to tell in Jesus' name. It's, it's funny and sad all at the same time, isn't it? It's time to quit making excuses. It's time to quit saying, I'm not, I don't have time or I don't have this. It's time for us to make time. A time, a place. Jesus had a time. He had a place. Mount of Olives. So much so that Judas knew where to find Him. I hope the Judases know where to find me in the mornings. Usually located right back in there. Praying and seeking the Lord. with staff prayer time. All we're going to do is I'm going to pray... And as I pray, these altars are open. We're just going to worship and seek the Lord. I don't know. We may worship for five minutes. We may worship for five hours. I don't even care. If you got to leave, bless you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You're precious. You're special to us. We love you. Get in the Word. Pray and seek the Lord. But this is just an opportunity for us to kick this off with some accountability and say, I'm going to stand here and worship with these people because these people, my brothers and sisters, we're going to hold each other accountable because we're going to develop a hunger. Let's pray. Father, we just worship you today. We thank you, God, that you are calling us out of our slumber, out of our sleep.